started. If we can wait, make our way to the sanctuary, we'll get started. Let's start with a word of prayer, and then we'll begin. Heavenly Father, we are grateful that you can give us the opportunity to gather together as fellow believers to look into your word, to see what lessons it may have for us today. Help me to be clear in the things that I say and and guide my words that we all would be blessed from the time that we have here together. Thank you for the opportunity to study your word, to look into your word, to discern and, and find out what it, what it means for us. We just thank you for all of your blessings on each one of us and pray with all those who could not be here with us this morning. In Christ's name I pray, amen. All right. We are going to be talking today, the topic that I've chosen to label this message is the temple profaned. Uh, last week I promised to tell you, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to temper this a little bit, I'm, I promised to tell you my theory on why, the, why Solomon's temple was completely destroyed. Uh, and we'll get to that before I'm done here today. And we'll go from there. Again, we are studying the book of Ezekiel uh, and Ezekiel's prophet. I, do, I did manage, you might notice, to get everything straightened out as far as formats and everything on, on my new computer. So we got everything taken care of there. Appreciate that. And in, in Israel's timeline through history, just as a reminder, uh, we are in the exile period uh, which is the Babylonian exile, at the beginning of that is where we are in, in Israel's history. And expanding on that uh, captivity period, you know, again, there were three sieges of Jerusalem. Uh, the first siege is when uh, Daniel was taken captive and taken to Babylon along with his friends. Uh, and we can read about that in, in Daniel's book. The second siege uh, is when other captives were taken, or other Israelites were taken captive and taken to exile along the Kibar River and other places, including Ezekiel, who turned 30 uh, while he was in exile. And the reason that's significant is because that's when priests assumed their role. So when, Dan, when uh, Ezekiel turned 30, God appeared to him in visions and that's kind of what we're studying. That not kind of. That is what we're studying here. So the uh, location of of their exile is is south of Babylon, along the Kibar River, and there are numerous exiles here. In fact, probably some from the northern tribes were exiled to this location as well. So, so there are a lot of. Israelites in this in this local area uh, where you see the little arrow down here at the bottom uh, again south of Babylon the city of Babylon uh, towards the Persian Gulf so that's kind of geographically where we're at I'm using this chiastic outline of of is of what's happening in the book of Ezekiel and again, we're still in the first section of that where we're talking about uh, the presence of God in the temple. 
and we'll be talking about that uh, a little bit here today. So we are going down through Ezekiel's visions, and we're down here to Ezekiel's first temple vision. Um, and so we'll, that's that's the vision that's occurring as as we go. And if you'll all take your Bibles, turn to Ezekiel chapter 7, uh, and this is, am I one behind? Yeah. So in Ezekiel 7, and let's just start reading there, and then we'll get into the lesson. They transformed the beauty of his ornaments, starting at verse 20. Uh, transformed the beauty of his ornaments into pride, and they made images of their abominations and their detestable things with it. And this is God speaking. Therefore, I will make it an abhorrent thing to, to them. I will give it into the hands of the foreigners as plunder, and to the wicked of the earth as spoil, and they will profane it. I will also turn my face from them, and they will profane my secret place. Then robbers will enter and profane it. Make the chain, for the land is full of bloody crimes, and the city is full of violence. And it goes on and on from there. So we're talking about the temple. Uh, he's, he's saying they will profane it. Uh, the things that will happen to and in the temple uh, will profane this beautiful thing that was created where God, at this time, the glory of God still resided in the temple. Uh, in the Holy of Holies. It was still there. The Shekinah glory of God resided in the temple in Jerusalem still. Uh, by the time we're done with this lesson today, we'll see that maybe change. But at this time, the things that are happening in Jerusalem are happening with the presence of God in the temple. And that's an amazing thing to me. I, I couldn't believe it. But what temple are we talking about here? Anybody want to? This is a, a gimme. What temple are we talking about? First, second, third, fourth? Well, A, B, C, D? I'm sorry? The first temple, Solomon's temple. And we, we place Solomon's temple in Jerusalem. Uh, we believe uh, there's strong evidence to suggest that Solomon's temple uh, was on the Temple Mount, and I have a picture here, that's the western wall, and you see the, the Dome of the Rock, the, the uh, <laughs> has God allowed his temple site to be profaned? Uh, I won't go any further right now on that, but yes. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of the area in Jerusalem, in the present city of Jerusalem, this is a pretty much a present-day picture that shows where that dome is, is where Solomon's temple was. And we, we know a lot about Solomon's temple. Uh, and Ezekiel actually was being prepared as a priest to serve in the temple uh, when he was taken by the Babylonians into exile. And, and so he's ready for service, but he's nowhere near the temple. But in Ezekiel chapter 8, 
uh, starting in verse 3, it says he stretched out the, he's again having this vision. Uh, He was sitting in his, uh, starting in verse 1, he was sitting in his house with the elders of Judah sitting next to me, and the hand of the Lord God fell on me there. Then I looked, and behold, a likeness as the appearance of a man. From his loins and downward there was the appearance of fire, and from his loins and upward the appearance of brightness like the appearance of glowing metal. He stretched out the form of a hand and caught me by the lock of of my head, and the Spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven and brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem, to the entrance of the north gate, to the inner court, where the seat of the idol of jealousy, which provokes to jealousy, was located. And behold, the glory of God of the God of Israel was there, like the appearance which I saw in the plain. Now this appearance that we saw in the plain, uh, we've talked about that before in his first vision. In fact, let's go back to Ezekiel 1, verses 22 through 25. Now over the heads of the living beings, there was something like an expanse. Like the awesome gleam of crystals spread out over their heads. Under the expanse of their wings were stretched out straight, one toward the other. And each one also had two wings covering its body on the one side and one on the other. This is describing the cherubim. I also heard the sound of their wings and the sound of abundant waters as they went like the voice of the Almighty, a sound of tumult, like the sound of an army camp, wherever they stood, dropping their wings. And there came a voice from above that expanse that was over their heads. Wherever they stood still, they dropped their wings. And it goes on to, to describe this vision of the holiness of God. Uh, and that vision was repeated is repeated several times in the book of Ezekiel, and this is in chapter eight, is another one of those places. So he takes Ezekiel, the 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 spirit takes Ezekiel from where he's at in 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 Babylonia, and takes him back to the temple. And I believe he's talking about taking him to the temple here, and in. He's going to show Ezekiel what's happening in his temple. And, and Ezekiel's going to get a first-hand view of, of, of what's happening here. So I, I want to talk about the temples a little bit here. And I mentioned that there's four temples that we uh, kind of teach that there are four temples in the history of Israel. Uh, the first one is, is Solomon's temple. And uh, that is being prophesied here is going to be destroyed. It hasn't happened yet. It's still standing. God's presence is still in the temple as it is right now at this point in history that we're talking about. The second temple is the temple that Ezra built. Uh, When he returned after the decree of Cyrus, uh, 70 years after this is happening. So that's the second temple. Some people separate Ezra's temple uh, from Herod's temple. Herod rebuilt the temple, uh, and we kind of lump that in as as the second temple. But, you know, if you want, uh, we can get technical here and say there's a first, second temple, and a second, second temple. 
uh, because Herod actually disassembled Ezra's temple and then rebuilt it uh, with much more pomp and circumstance. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit here too. Uh, and then the third temple is is one that, and I'm going to make this statement, and you all might disagree with me, isn't really described in the Bible. The erection of the third temple isn't really addressed in anything I was able to find. It's inferred from the things that we know about the tribulation. We'll get into that a little bit too. And then the fourth temple is what we refer to as the millennial temple. And it's described very thoroughly uh, in Ezekiel chapter 40 through 42. We'll get there too. I want to talk about each one of these temples in turn. And amazingly, I was able to find actual photographs of Solomon's temple. If you look online today and check me out, you will be able to find photographs of Solomon's temple. And here's one of them. This is a recreation, or a, a, this is actually a church, uh, the Universal Church of the Kingdom of God in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And they rebuilt Solomon's Temple in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And I hope you understood that I was saying that with tongue firmly planted in cheek. Uh, I'm not equating this to Solomon's Temple. But they claim to have followed dimensionally uh, what Solomon was directed to build. And they consider this, how is it, what they were, the, the new temple is an exact replica of the ancient temple of Solomon in Jerusalem. According to the, the outside is exactly the same as what was built in Jerusalem, but they multiply the dimensions. It's much larger. This temple in Sao Paulo, Brazil, uh, you know, dimensionally is much larger. It actually inside seats 10,000 people. And with the dimensions that we were given, that Solomon was given, you'd never fit 10,000 chairs in there. So uh, I actually have a, a picture of the interior of the temple as well. Now they have gone so far as to actually recreate the Ark of the Covenant and some of the all of the temple accoutrements, uh, which are kept in their altar down there. One of the things that I found this. Uh, was funded by a, a Brazilian billionaire who is a member of this or a leader in this universal church uh, in Brazil, which claims to have 8 million members uh, in 180 different countries. So they're a little bit bigger than we are. This temple costs $300 million to build. And if you don't think that they can put together the temple in Israel in time to have sacrifices by mid-tribulation. This building only took four years to build. Four years. <laughs> and if you're building one that's multiple times smaller than this, I think you can understand with me that if they want to build it in two years or a year or three years, it can get done. So... Back to reality, this actually is not a photograph of Solomon's temple. There's a, an architect, uh, they call themselves uh, 
archaeological architects. <laughs> they have built and, and constructed a 3D model, virtually, uh, of everything in Solomon's temple the way, it, the way that Solomon was directed to build it. And a lot of the dimensions for the temple came from the tabernacle. So here's a kind of a cutaway of those two items comparing in size the different rooms. Uh, you can see that dimensionally they, they are comparable. Uh, obviously the temple is much more ornate. Um, and they've built, there's a lot of people have built uh, models of the of Solomon's temple just to kind of get a feel for how ornate it was. As you can see here in this picture, uh, the interior of the temple is all uh, gilded with gold. Uh, and I found a model that actually uh, resides in the Met Museum. And this is, <laughs> this is a photograph of that model of the interior uh, of what they interpret the Bible to say about about what the what the things were i mean i've yeah we can go all over but but it's just you can see the two cherubim uh represented by the statues there back in the holy of holies the the doors are open uh allowing you to see the 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 ark of the covenant uh, which is modeled there too uh, just just what I'm trying to hear, do here is, is just to kind of paint a picture of what this thing was really like. Uh, we can see through some of these images, and, and obviously uh, we don't know what it was like, and it's all through interpretation. So, so anything I'm showing here, take with a grain of salt. Uh, but it was a grand edifice, and we read the stories about how people came from all over the world uh, to to see the grandeur of what Solomon had built, and Solomon uh, was, and and Israel at this time was very wealthy and and had a lot of wealth and money and power and influence, uh, and it was very well within the realm of possibility that they could have built something this grand, and God resided uh, or dwelt in the holy of holies. Uh, that the priests were only allowed to go into once each year, and, and even then after a whole bunch of purification. So all of this is, is you know, what God told them to build, and he would dwell among them. Uh, but as we continue in, in Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel 5, 8, Chapter 8, verse 5. Then he said to me, Son of man, raise your eyes now toward the north. So I raised my eyes toward the north, and behold, to the north of the altar gate was the idol of this idol of jealousy at the entrance. And he said to me, Son of man, do you see what they are doing? The great abominations which the house of Israel are committing here in this place that looked like this for the worship of God. Do you see the abominations which they're doing here? So I would be far from my sanctuary, but yet you still will see greater abominations. You will still see greater abominations. That phrase is repeated 
several times in this chapter. As bad as this looks, you know, they had taken altars, idols, and brought them into this sanctuary. You see here what they're doing to my sanctuary. You see here what they're doing to this great gift that I, God, have given to the nation of Israel. They are taking that and defaming it and profaning it by bringing in idols and worship. And we wonder why God wanted this taken down. Uh, so continuing in Ezekiel 7, Then he brought me to the entrance of the court, and when I looked, behold, a hole in the wall. And he said to me, Son of man, now dig through the wall. So I dug through the wall, and behold, an entrance. Again, we're talking about getting into the temple, uh, portions of the temple. The, I'm reading this as he's getting himself into the Holy of Holies, which he couldn't otherwise enter. Uh, and he said to me, Go and see the wicked abominations that they are committing here. So I entered and looked, and behold, every form of creeping things and beasts and detestable thing with all the idols of the house of Israel were carved on the wall all around. Then he brought me to the entrance of the court, and when I looked, and behold, I guess I just read that, but every form of creeping things and beasts and detestable thing with all the idols of the house of Israel were carved into the wall all around. Just remember this picture and how the things that God had placed, the images that had been placed at the direction of God had been defamed and defaced and the images of the idols of the nations around them that Israel had adopted as their own, those idols, the, the detestable things that God told them to stay away from are now carved into these gilded walls instead of the things that led to the worship of God. You know, I've taken you to uh, the Ten Commandments. Does God detest the worship of idols? He certainly does in Deuteronomy. Chapter 5, again, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven or on the earth beneath or of the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. So God would not allow this to go unpunished. The temple in my opinion, because of the desecrations that had been foisted upon it. And this is my theory. <laughs> I believe that this is why God felt that Solomon's temple needed to be completely destroyed, because they had taken the idols of the world and brought them into this temple, carved them into the walls, into the stone, and it needed to be utterly destroyed. And I... You know, I did some research, uh, and archaeologically, there's not a whole lot of agreement on whether or not <laughs> Solomon was a real person as to whether or not Solomon's temple was real. And the reason for this is that not one stone has been found 
in Jerusalem that can be tied to Solomon's temple or tied to Solomon's time. And I think this is part of what God did. He destroyed it completely. He erased it completely from the face of the earth. Uh, and, you know, again, this is just my theory. I'm not telling you that this is absolute or anything, but, but my research has, has led me to come to this conclusion. Uh, you know, the idea that Solomon didn't exist, uh, you know, that he's a myth, kind of like King Arthur, uh, that, that all Solomon is is stories passed down from generation to generation in the nation of Israel, encompassing all of the attributes that people would want in, in, in their own king, you know, wealthy, a lot of power, a lot of wealth, envied by those around. All of these things have been attributed to Solomon. And, you know, that's kind of why, and there's not a lot of historical evidence, uh, archaeological evidence, uh, supporting Solomon. We call some of the finds that we find in, in the city of David's excavations uh, Solomon's house, uh, you know, and are, are tr attributed to Solomon. But, you know, again, there's a large body of people uh, who believe that this is all just a myth. In Second Chronicles uh, chapter 36, I'd like to turn there, if you would, with me. I'll bring it up as well. Second Chronicles, uh, chapter 36. Uh, actually, chapter 3 is where we get the instructions of how to build the temple. Chapter 36 records uh, the destruction of the temple. I should have marked this better. Uh, starting in verse 18. Uh, yep. 18. 36, 18. All the articles of the house of God, great and small. Uh, let me start. Uh, starting in verse 15, and we'll get to verse 18. The Lord God of their fathers sent word to them again and again by his messengers because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they continually mocked the messengers of God. And who might that be? That's Ezekiel, uh, Jeremiah, Daniel. Uh, they continually mocked the messengers of God, despised his words and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people until there was no remedy. Therefore he brought against them the king of the Chaldeans who slew their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion on young men or virgin or old man or infirm. He gave them all into his hand, all the articles of the house of God, great and small, and the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king and of his officers. He brought them all to Babylon. Then they burned the house of God and broke down the wall of Jerusalem and burned all its fortified buildings with fire and destroyed all its valuable articles. Those who escaped from the sword he carried away to Babylon. And they were servants to him and to his sons until the rule of the king 
of Persia. And here we see uh, recorded the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. And this would be at the third siege, which in the timetable of us following Ezekiel is still to come. But here it's recorded in Chronicles. And following this, uh, the book of Ezra, just turn one page over actually, maybe two, uh, to Ezra chapter 3. Following the decree of, of, uh, of, (laughs) sorry, Cyrus, yeah, should have remembered that. I know that. Following the decree of Cyrus, uh, Ezra was sent to, to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. This is 70 years after the captivity began. And in verse 8, we see the, the beginning of that effort. Now in the second year of their coming to the house of God in Jerusalem, in the second month, Zerubbabel, the son of Sheliatil, and Jeshua, son of Jodet, Jozadak, and the rest of their brothers and the priests and the Levites and all who came from the captivity to Jerusalem began the work and appointed the Levites from 20 years and older to oversee the work of the house of the Lord. Then Yeshua with his sons and brothers stood united with Cad- Cadmiel and his sons and the sons of Judah and the sons of Henadad with their sons and brothers, the Levites, to oversee the workmen on the, in the, on the temple of God. And this is the second temple. And a lot more is known about the second temple uh, than the first temple because we have the physical remains of, of those temples. The second temple, uh, which was constructed by Ezra, rebuilt by Herod, uh, is the temple that was in Jerusalem at the time of Christ. Uh, this temple lasted for 300... Uh, Ezra's temple uh, lasted for 332 years, and then it was dismantled and rebuilt by Herod, which lasted uh, and stood for another 80 years before it was destroyed in what year? 70 A.D. <laughs> Uh, by the Romans, uh, absolutely not one stone was left upon another as, prophes- as, t- as predicted by Christ himself. So the rebuilt uh, temple of Ezra was rebuilt on the, on the same temple, we believe, the same temple pad as what Solomon's temple was on, which was then enlarged by Herod, um, and and rebuilt it with more grandeur. Uh, when when Ezra rebuilt the temple, obviously Israel didn't have all the resources that they had available when Solomon built it, so it was much less grand. And Herod wanted something uh, in his territory that that brought honor to him, <laughs> and and that was his motivation. A lot of there's some differences of opinion. Uh, of of why Herod rebuilt the temple, but it he rebuilt it because he wanted something grand in his territory, not because he wanted to honor God. And this is a scale model 
uh, of the the temple that Herod rebuilt, uh, and you can see in this in this photograph of the scale model, and this this uh, this model was actually built in 1966, <laughs> and painstakingly. Uh, dimensionally and, and historically ac as accurate as they could make it. Um, you see uh, the fortress of Antonia there on the, on the right side, uh, the temple there in the center, and this is looking from the east, which would be from where the Mount of Olives are. And that's the, this is, <coughs> this is what the temple looked like when Jesus was walking on the earth according to this history or these architects or archaeological architectural geniuses uh, that that built this model and this is what that area looks like today uh, that temple is gone as was predicted by Christ and today it's it's a, a historic not a historic it's a, it's a worship site the third they say, most important worship site uh, in Islamic theology or in the Islamic world. But, you know, we have to understand that, um, and I found a quote here, <laughs> and I'll read it exactly like it's quoted uh, from a Jewish source. Jewish eschatology includes a belief that the second temple, the one that was destroyed in 70 A.D., will be replaced by a third temple in Jerusalem. So they believe that very strongly. And if you go to Israel today, there are organizations and, and groups set up uh, for the furtherance of this. And we've seen news reports of some of the things that are happening here with the red heifer, with the, you know, the building of all of the, the, the candelabras and the table of waybread, the incense altar, the great sea, all of the things that, that are involved in temple worship. Uh, and that's being driven mostly by Orthodox Jews. Jews. By and large, uh, the secular Jews don't buy into that. Uh, politically, obviously, it's a very highly charged uh, idea. Uh, so it's kind of shunned politically, this idea of a temple on the Temple Mount, uh, because of the politics involved. Because uh, for a secular Jew, reestablishing the the sacrifices isn't real important to them. So they kind of wash their hands of that and say, you know, that's these that's these goofy Orthodox guys. <laughs> that's not for us. But. You know, people who believe in the literal interpretation of the Bible understand that in order for sacrifices to be restored, this temple has to be, a temple has to be rebuilt. And Ezekiel uh, chapters 40 through 42, as I mentioned before, uh, Ezekiel is seeing visions of this future, of a future temple. And here's where I think the Jews, the Orthodox even, are, are kind of misinterpreting what's happening. Uh, Ezekiel says in, in verse 27 of chapter 40, 
Uh, then I noticed from the appearance of his loins and upward, something like glowing. Did I? I did not update that slide. So I'm sorry. Ezekiel chapter 40. In the vision, starting at verse 2, in the visions of God, he brought me into the land of Israel and set me on a very high mountain, on, and on it to the south there was a structure like a city. So he brought me there, and behold, a man whose appearance was like the appearance of bronze, with a line of flax and a measuring rod in his hand, and he was standing in the gateway. The man said to me, Son of man, see with your eyes, hear with your ears, and give attention to all that I am going to show you. For you have been brought here in order to show it to you. Declare to the house of Israel all that you see. And what he's seeing is God's final temple. And the following verses here go through this, the, the dimensions of this final temple. And it's different from Solomon's temple. Uh, it's not exactly the same. It's It's... It's different dimensionally. It's different in or layout and organization. Uh, all of these things that are 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 happening, and, and what he's doing is is what Ezekiel here is is relating is is this vision that tells him what the temple is going to be. But notice something missing here. Uh, that if you compare it to what Solomon's instructions were, to what Ezekiel is seeing here, Ezekiel's not told this is going to be built by somebody. This is the way it's going to be. And, and I believe that, that this temple will be built by God himself. That, that it's not a, a project that men are going to undertake. That God is not going to assign this to a man. That this is the temple that God will bring down uh, during the millennial kingdom. Uh, <clears throat> so this this temple that that Ezekiel is seeing in this vision in chapter forty and forty two, uh, and these are depictions based on the descriptions that are provided in these chapters. Uh, you know, it's, like I say, is a little bit different, similar, uh, of course. Uh, but this this temple that he's seeing here, the visions that he's seeing, is describing not the temple that will be desecrated during the tribulation period, but this is the temple that will stand during the millennium. So, so the temple in in Ezekiel forty through forty in, and on is the millennial temple, uh, the one that we will serve in in that millennial period. Um, and that, you know, I, and, and I mentioned this uh, and talk about this because, you know, so many people ascribe the third temple, and, and I mentioned that Orthodox Jews believe that the, the description here in Ezekiel 40 is describing the third temple. So where do we, 
you know, in our dispensational belief, where do we say that before this temple is going to be built, that a third temple is going to be built? And we do that not because it's described specifically, but because the circumstances that are happening during the tribulation indicate that there is a temple in Jerusalem. So if we go to Daniel uh, chapter 9, verse 27, uh, where it's talking about the influence of the, the, the Antichrist here, and he will make a firm commitment with the many for one week, but in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering, and on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate, even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed, is poured on the one who makes desolate. So here it's talking about a world leader that's going to be arising. Uh, you know, in, 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 in studies that we have yet to get to, we think that this is probably going to arise as a result of the Ezekiel 38 wars, uh, where peace is finally declared after that war is, is accomplished and settled, and, and the the leader, the world leader that comes out of all that mess is going to make a pact with Israel. And, and I think either before or after or during that transition of power uh, is when that temple, that, that tribulation temple, if you will, uh, is going to get built. And then sacrifices can be restored uh, in Jerusalem. They can't have sacrifices without a temple. So if, if, if this world leader who's going to step in in the middle of the tribulation and stop sacrifices, uh, there first has to be sacrifices. In order to be sacrifices, there has to be a temple. So all of this is going to come about, and it's all speculation as to how and when and the sequencing. Uh, but we know that at least by the middle of the tribulation, there's a temple and there's sacrifices because we know that the Antichrist puts a stop to them. And then they will set up the abomination of desolation in this temple uh, where the Antichrist will set himself up as Christ. Uh, and, and if we read, uh, keep turning over in Daniel, uh, to Daniel chapter 11, verse 31, it says at the appointed time he will return and come into the south but this last time will not turn out the way it did before, for ships of Kittim will come against him, and he'll be disheartened and return be, and become enraged at the Holy Covenant and take action. So he will come back and show regard for those who forsake the Holy Covenant. Forces from him will arise and desecrate the sanctuary fortress and do away with the regular sacrifice, and they will set up the abomination of desolation. And again in Daniel 12, verse 11, from that time the regular sacrifices is abolished and the abomination of desolation is set up there in this tribulation temple. Uh, there will be a 1,290 days. How blessed is he who keeps waiting and attains to the 1,335 days. But alas, but alas for you, go your way to the end. Then you will enter rest and rise again. So Ezekiel's vision was coming to an end at, at the, uh, going back to our vision uh, where Ezekiel is taken uh, 
to the temple to see this desolation. Again, just to kind of summarize what I've talked about, we've got the first temple, which was Solomon's temple, which is destroyed as a result of the desolation and desecrations that have been occurring to it. And that's yet to happen in Ezekiel's timeline right here uh, in, in verses 8, 9, 10, 11, kind of where we're at. Uh, that is yet to happen, but it's going to be happening, and, and Ezekiel is still teaching about it and warning the people that this is going to happen. Uh, the second temple was the one that Ezra constructed and Herod reconstructed that was destroyed in 70 AD. There's the tribulation temple, which has yet to be built, uh, but as we have seen in the news, preparations are well underway in some circles for this uh, that it can be reconstructed and, and reconstructed in a way uh, that's faithful to the original. I mean, we see examples of it all over the world, different places. I chose the one in Sao Paulo because it's the grandest, uh, but there are other places that have rebuilt Solomon's temple uh, and, and have reproductions and recreations of it. Uh, you can see them all over the world and in, you know, in miniature as well. Uh, so these things have happened. Uh, so that third temple, we believe, has, is, has yet to be built in our day, uh, but will be built and operating during the beginning, the first half of the tribulation for animal sacrifices. And then the fourth temple is what God establishes during the millennial kingdom uh, where, where Christ will rule. So in Ezekiel, going back to ch Ezekiel chapter 10, uh, then the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub to the threshold of the temple, and the temple was filled with the, with the cloud, and the court was filled with the brightness of the glory of the Lord. What this is describing is the Shekinah glory of God that still exists in the temple at that time. And he's going to be describing here uh, in, in chapter 10, What he's describing is, is still in his vision this presence of God, the Shekinah glory of God which resides in the temple. And he says, The glory of the Lord went up to the threshold of the temple, to the doorstep of the temple, and sat there. Uh, Ezekiel's vision of what was happening at the temple is, is kind of wrapping up here. Uh, but this very important thing, I think, is, is our lesson for today. You know, God's glory is leaving the temple. If we skip over to verses 18 and 19, it says, Then the glory of the Lord... This is one of the saddest verses in the Bible. The glory of the Lord departed from the threshold of the temple and stood over the cherubim. And when the cherubim departed, they lifted their wings and rose up from the earth in my sight with the wheels beside them, and they stood still at the entrance of the east gate of the Lord's house, and the glory of the Lord hovered over them, and it departed the temple. Uh, so the glory of God, the Shekinah glory of God that had resided with Israel since the time of David, uh, and earlier, uh, before the... Before Solomon's temple, it resided in the tabernacle and, and moved into the temple. And, and it was great for Israel to have the Shekinah glory of God residing with them. 
But because of the things that Israel done, despite the warnings that God gave them through the prophets, uh, they continued in disobedience and, and defaced and defamed and profaned uh, the temple itself. They took all this grandeur and, and glory, you know, all, all the stuff that was intended to bring people to worship to God uh, and profaned it with idols, with carved images of, of untold things. Uh, and God finally said, I have waited long enough. I have stayed my hand long enough. You've been warned. You've been told. And the glory of God left the temple. And I believe that what Ezekiel was seeing wasn't just in his vision. That was the moment at which the glory of God left the temple. And he was taken there to witness that happening. So the glory of God left the temple. Now the temple is just a building. Uh, it's been defaced and defamed. Now I've spent a lot of time working uh, on the southeast side of Detroit. Uh, and there are a lot of abandoned buildings. And one of the things that I've noticed is when a building is abandoned by those who, intend it, who it's intended for, how quickly things can deteriorate. Uh, you know, we, we watched, I've watched for years, uh, you know, and just the, I've only was down there for about three years, but in that three years, some of the buildings uh, around where I was working have gone from, you know, why isn't anybody using this building to, God, nobody can use that building again. Uh, the the graffiti, the things that are written on it, the, the condition of, of the building, the trash that just accumulates and piles up, it's just amazing how quickly it can deteriorate. Uh, but the temple building uh, that God departs from uh, would see this happening very quickly and very suddenly. So the glory of God has left the temple, uh, but the people of Israel are not without hope. If, if we look at chapter 11 of Ezekiel, you know, there's a lot of, of things described here, how, how the evil rulers of Israel would be judged, uh, all, and some by name, <laughs> and some leaders in the temple at the time, you know, would were, were named. Uh, but if we skip down to verse 14 of chapter 11, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, your brothers, your relatives, your fellow exiles, and the whole house of Israel, all of them are those to whom the to whom the inhabitants of Israel have said, Go far from the Lord. This land has been given to us as a possession. Therefore say, Thus says the Lord God, I, Though I had removed them far away among the nations, and though I had scattered them among the countries, yet I was a sanctuary for them a little while in the countries where they had gone. Therefore say, Thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples and assemble you from out of the countries among which you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. When they come there, they will remove all the detestable things and all its abominations from it. And I will give them one heart 
and I will put a new spirit within them, and I will take the heart of stone out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them. Then they will then they will be my people, and I shall be their God. So God, even though he is going to do this utter destruction of the temple and of Jerusalem, he's doing it at the hands of the Babylonians, but it's his power that's letting it happen. Even though he's going to do this destruction because of the desecration and and profane things that have happened here, there is hope. He is going to gather them again. And we see this happening in our day. You know, they were scattered and gathered uh, at the time of Ezra and at the time of the, the Roman conquest at the end in 70 AD and 135 when they were banished from Jerusalem altogether. They were scattered among the nations, but we are seeing in our day uh, the regathering of Israel together where he says, they will be my people and I shall be their God. Now the gathering that we're seeing is secular for the most part. But I believe he will also gather them together in a way that will bring them to faith and belief in Jesus as the Messiah, as is talked about in the book of Revelation and other places in the New Testament. God is going to reclaim his people. It's going to happen. So even in the darkness that they're facing, there is hope and the promises of God that they can rely on and stand on for sure. God keeps his promises. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for this day and for the promises that you have made to us as as Christians, to the nation of Israel as, as your chosen people, that you would gather them together as you gather us to your side. Help us all to bring honor and glory to you through the, the witness that we have here in this world while we're here. As long as you tarry, we have work to do. Help us to accomplish it in a way that would be pleasing and bring honor and glory to you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.